You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fabulous job for us, or he's about to, at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Plenty of college football news to discuss, also some major headlines. And Jake, you look at this, it is talking season. Yeah, I'm glad it's talking to SEC Media Days continue to roll along, and of course now we have the kickoff of the conference two-day Media Days event over in Dallas. Yes, we do, and the King will take the stage today, Nick Saban in Alabama, but we've already had some compelling storylines uh, to emerge in the first two days, and uh, Mississippi State being one of them. You're looking forward to Saban today and the hard-hitting questions that he will get. Yeah, I'm looking forward to saving today. Um, of course, you know, we said it yesterday, we're looking forward to what agenda he'll bring to SEC Media Days. Uh, so I'm anxious to see that. Our buddy, of course, who was over at the SEC Media Days in Atlanta, Brad Hudson, joins us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Brad, how you doing this morning, bud? I've got my cup of coffee in hand, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now, boys. All right, I know you got a lot of things to do here this morning. We won't keep you long, but uh, first of all, your impressions of Atlanta compared to perhaps a, a Hoover slash Birmingham? Um, I mean, the city, it's, it's Atlanta hands down, uh, just because they have Fox Brothers Barbecue here. It is God's gift to earth, and I will love it for the rest of my life. Uh, but like the, the media setup itself, I mean, Atlanta, the, the College Football Hall of Fame has done a pretty good, pretty good job. It is cool to be able to walk upstairs from the press conference and be immersed in the College Football Hall of Fame, especially for a nerd for the sport like myself. Um, that part of it is, is really cool. I think logistically it's probably easier in, in Hoover, but it, it's definitely much better than I expected logistics-wise, for, for us anyway. I don't know about what it, the experience is for the coaches and the athletes. Two days down. Top three headlines so far for you. Okay. Um, let's see. Top three headlines. Um, probably Dan Mullen making his appearance after leaving Mississippi State and going to Florida. He, he got a lot of um, interesting questions along the way, if you could imagine. Um, but, I mean, honestly, Alabama hasn't gone yet. That's, that's always a, a pretty big one. Uh, day one was actually kind of boring. Like, like I ran into some sporting news guys um, at a mixer last night, and they were like, "They leave Big Ten country to come here for for some excitement," and they've been uh, they've been sorely disappointed in, in in that regard. Classic SEC media days, right? Uh, Ole Miss was fun. I, I will say that uh, just because Jordan Talmud's here, the the quarterback, and that's that's probably another big thing is the SEC finally has quarterback play good enough to bring to SEC media days because that's been a problem for probably three, four years now, maybe even longer than that. But I think there are six quarterbacks here, both of the Mississippi quarterbacks included, Te'amu and, um, and Nick Fitzgerald. Oh, how, how can I forget Jimbo Fisher? That was that was really weird seeing him in front of a SEC logo uh, with Texas A&M logos behind him. That was that was really, really weird. And, and, and something I learned out of that is he apparently called Texas A&M's players soft uh, throughout spring practice. So they, were, they weren't given much of a choice but to react to that. Uh, Mullen, of course, you mentioned him, and I know you asked him uh, a tough question about Mississippi State, and he talked extensively about Florida being his dream job. What were your biggest takeaways from his uh, meeting with the media? I mean, well, my, my biggest takeaway, and, and a fan brought this up, that he didn't really answer my question, as you, as you mentioned, because I, I asked him uh, what, how he felt about animosity in the fan base and if there was anything that he could do to change that. Um, he didn't really directly answer that, but as you mentioned, he did say that Florida's a dream job, and this is something he's always wanted to do. Um, so I think the, the answer was good enough for me, uh, just because it, it definitely created some headlines that, that he said Florida was a dream job, and he truly addressed Mississippi State in, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dan was definitely the, the highlight of of yesterday and and if Alabama weren't here I would guess that Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State would be the the headline of of today just because there's a lot of interest around him he's a different hire he's 
from a part of the country that SEC coaches don't really normally get pulled from. Um, so he's, he's going to be a very interesting character. He's someone that a lot of people don't know about, and this is obviously their best opportunity to do so. You knew Rashard Lawrence would hit it out of the ballpark. How did he do with the media? Oh, Rashard was great. It was so good to see him. Um, yeah, he, he, he apparently said some nice things about the media, which is always nice in today's fake news era. Uh, but no, he, he was composed. He was classic Rashard. He very well conveyed his intelligence, um, which is obvious to anyone who's, who's met him. So yeah, it was, it was, it was good to see him the other day. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was here to, to do that. He, he showed his intelligence and he was obviously a very good representative for, for the LSU football program. And now I can, I can only hope that he does that on the field for, for LSU this year. And I think there's a high expectation for him in, in that regard, especially coming from the head man at Orgeron. So, Brett, you pin uh, Saban down today on the quarterback situation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I want to die today. That's uh, <laughs> that's 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 the hill I'll die on. I'll I'll just con- I'll just hold the mic in my hand until he says either Tua or Jalen, and then I'll just hold the, hand, the mic in my hand for thirty minutes while he says nothing, and that'll be the end of his main media room appearance here at S- at SEC Media Days. It'll probably be his favorite SEC Media Days ever. Uh, finally, uh, what's the fans mingling around? What, what is it comprised of? Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, in, in Birmingham, they're put on the first floor of a hotel and everything is up on the second floor. So they're at least indoors. Most of the fan stuff here is outside and it's Georgia in July. So it's hot out there. Uh, so that's kind of unfortunate. But they do have to go from building to building to um, to, to go from the main media room to other media obligations uh so they do pass by the fans a time or two out there so there's still the same opportunities for engagement it just sucks that they have to be outside in the georgia heat to do it hmm. we want to know what's going on throughout the day and over the next two days uh how do, what's the best way to follow you brett everything is on twitter at brett underscore hudson uh, and i'm about to do a pretty extensive instagram story for mississippi state purposes so if any state fans listening happen to be on instagram that is Brett Hudson with two underscores in between it because some evil person out there already took Brett underscore Hudson. These are these are the problems I have to deal with now. Thanks, bud. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Brett Hudson, good stuff. So uh, two things stemming from the Saban quarterback question. Uh-huh. Um, first, what are the odds that no one asks a question about it at all because of being chicken? No, man. That's that's the number one storyline, man. You're going there. We'll see. We'll see. Um, they should revoke every single person in I that agree. room. I agree. I totally agree. The credentials. I mean, the Saban got away. Two years ago, Saban got away with not answering any questions about arrest. Okay? Uh, so, I'm just saying. I wouldn't be surprised. Two, I, I laughed because, um, you know, Brett was just talking about Instagram. The Saturday Down South guys on Instagram, they had a story they were playing talk, Top Golf, mm-hmm. and it said, Loser has to ask Saban about the quarterback. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, today uh, at SEC Media Days, you got Mississippi, uh, not Mississippi State. They already, yeah, we do have yeah. Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, and Missouri. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm with Brett. I want to hear from Mississippi State, too, that they're, you know, they're slowly becoming the darling. Of the SEC people, and I think it's just because more and more people are looking at that roster and going, "Golly, that really is a talented group." And and like I've been saying, I think they're going to be one of the more physical teams in the conference because they're good on both sides of the ball. Plus, return Fitzgerald. I know that's kind of a question mark just because he was injured. You don't know how healthy he'll be, but you got to think Fitzgerald with uh, they actually have receivers returning. I think this is the first time they're going to have. Uh, some like a like an experienced, talented group out there since the Darunya Wilson days, which has been a little while. So you give Moorhead these pieces, and I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I I think they are rightfully the dark horse in the SEC West, and I I put them third. Maybe they should be second. You know, they were close to beating Bama last year. You remember that game? I mean, that came down to the wire. So I, I'm very interested in seeing. Mississippi State and how Moorhead handles those expectations. More from uh, SEC Media Days coming up. Obviously, though, we got you covered with Conference USA Football Media Days. They go over the span of two days over there in Frisco, Texas. 
today, of course, an opportunity for the West Coach. If you're just uh, trying to plan out your day, you want to hear from uh, Skip Holtz. He will uh, be talking at 3.30 today over in Frisco. A few of the headlines from college football. We'll have a lot more coming up later in the show. Uh, also had some major news. We got breaking news coming from the NBA while you were sleeping. Yeah, so <laughs> they're working. Apparently, it's reported that the Spurs and the Raptors are working on a deal to trade DeRozan for Kawhi. Wow. But it's going to be a, a plan in place. I don't think it's just going to be those two. You know, I think the, uh, the, the Raptors are probably going to have to offer more. But uh, it's interesting because both guys do not seem happy <laughs> about this at all. And DeRozan actually took to Oh, please read the Instagram. I, I will do my best. Uh, so he, he wrote, be told one thing and outcome another. Can't trust them. Ain't no loyalty in this game. Sell you out. Quit for a quit for a little bit of nothing. Soon you'll understand. Don't disturb. Don't disturb. So obviously he's not happy. Um, when I first heard this news, Aaron, I just saw Kawhi Toronto deal in the works, and I was thinking, okay, because remember last year in the playoffs, I was like, you know what, the Raptors are, are, are they need one more player. Need one more player, then they could be an actual force. And I was thinking, man, now you got a triple-headed monster. Click on the article, and you see, oh, it's for DeRozan. It's like, ah, okay, well, that changes everything. That's That does really nothing for you. All right, so Toronto, you're just putting all the eggs in one basket if you're able to make this happen for Leonard, where you're saying, all right, we'll have him for one year, and hopefully they, he likes it so much well, that they'll be persuaded to stay, and he won't want to bolt and join LeBron with the Lakers. Yeah, and that's what I read, uh, that – they were confident that they could do that, which it doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't see how that's going to work. And so then it makes you think about the Lakers, right? You think about, okay, so, yeah, it could happen in a year's time. But this year, you know, LeBron, LeBron's only got so many years left. You know he wants to compete every single year for a title. Aaron, are you looking at this roster and going, all right, LeBron, Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, Josh Hart, who just won the Summer League MVP, I know that means nothing to you, Aaron, but, I mean, the guy did average 24 points per game in the summer. It's pretty good. Do you look at that and, and, and go, yeah, they could maybe compete this year? Be like a, what, a six seed, five seed? Uh, LeBron like, goes there to be a, a I think they'll have a better playoff, you know, push than that, but I still don't see them getting past Houston or – Golden State, even if they do have LeBron, just because they Warriors have, and Rockets have too much. All right, uh, as we go through headlines here, we only got a couple of seconds, and of course we'll have more on this later in the show. May, uh, All-Star Game, Major League Baseball last night, an entertaining affair, and of course a nice uh, angle inside this state, the fact that Alex Bregman homers and is named the MVP. What a weekend, or well, I say weekend, what a last couple of days for Alex Bregman. You know, a great show in the Homer Derby, and then last night hitting the go-ahead homer in the 10th inning and winning the MVP. Awesome, awesome stuff. Well, there are a few of the headlines this morning. It's all part of the starting lineup, brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Ben Carlisle will join us from Bleed Tech Blue coming up in the next segment to break down Conference USA Media Days. Uh, no doctors today. But we still have plenty of sound coming from uh, the SEC media days. We want to hear more from Coach O and Richard Lawrence. And, of course, Chad Moore. Of course. Of course, Chad Moore. you got to show some love to Arkansas. and a lot of listeners up there. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, but I think this is also just an excuse for you to talk about Chad Moore. You mentioned uh, Texas high school football a number of times. Oh, great. Awesome. We're going to play a little four downs later on, too. Yeah, we'll play some four downs. We've got some pretty good questions, uh, some questions that involve – Le'Veon Bell, also um, some college football lines, taking a, a closer look at some of those lines, and I want to get some predictions from you today. 888-993-7762. We're off and running on the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Welcome back to the morning drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe. We certainly look forward to the Conference USA Media Days kicking off later today. 
Uh, we'll get here. Ben Carlisle from uh, Bleed Tech Blue will be joining us here in minutes. We talk about Conference USA, and you look at this thing, Jake. Uh, there are some intriguing storylines. Yeah, of course. I think for me, uh, you know, it was released yesterday, the, the, the place of finish uh, in a conference. I'm trying to pull that up right now. But uh, Louisiana Tech getting second behind North Texas, and I've got the list here. Okay. So let's run through these real quick. In, in the West, North Texas won, Louisiana Tech second, uh, at three UAB, at four Southern Miss. How weird is it to see Southern Miss that far down in the West? But that's just kind of the expectations this year. And then the East, of course, FAU is running that. Uh, second behind them is Marshall, Middle Tennessee, FIU, and Western Kentucky. So it's kind of weird how, how things have changed so much in one year in this conference. I think that would be – my biggest story going into media days today is just how the conference has kind of flipped on its head a bit. And uh, a lot of it has been, I just remember kind of looking at the standings throughout the year as the year progressed last year going, well, this isn't at all how I saw this thing going. So uh, I think that's what, what we need to look at this year. And perhaps maybe the same thing could happen, you know, in 2018, who's going to be those surprise teams. Who's going to be the UAB this year. And you look, of course, at Louisiana Tech at Conference USA Media Days for players sending over Teddy Veal and Jalen Ferguson. Now join us from Bleed Tech Blue, Ben Carlisle on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. Ben, how you doing this morning, bud? Pretty good, guys. How y'all doing? Good. Before we jump into the Bulldogs, i got to get your take on the uh, All-Star game last night. What would you think of it in the home run derby that kind of took place during the game? Yeah, I, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was a good game. Obviously, you know, all the talk these days about Major League Baseball is all the strikeouts versus all the home runs. But uh, I thought it was extremely entertaining. Of course, I'm a, I'm a big Cubs fan, so it was uh, good to see Wilson Contreras, the Cubs catcher, hit a home run on the first pitch he saw. So, yeah, all in all, I thought it was a good game. Uh, I thought Bregman got the MVP, so that was pretty cool as well. All right, Conference USA Media Days, a two-day affair over there in Frisco, Texas. Big picture, Ben. What are going to be the major storylines of this conference? USA? Well, I think the biggest thing that you look at, you know, obviously, you know, Lane Kiffin, what he did in year one with FAU, uh, I think, you know, they were voted by the media as, you know, the first place team over in the East Division, which I think was to be expected. But there are some question marks on that team when you look at, you know, who's going to play quarterback after Jason Driscoll, uh, you know, brother of former Tech quarterback Jeff Driscoll, decided to transfer UAB. Uh, what do you think of them uh, coming back, of course, for another year? And we all remember what happened with the Blazers and the Bulldogs last year. Yeah, I think they're going to be a good team. You look at what Bill Clark does over there in Birmingham. He did a phenomenal job. I know he waited out the two years uh, that they didn't have a program. You know, the quarterback's back eaterly. He's a Middle Tennessee transfer. Spencer Brown's back at running back. I think he was a freshman All-American last season. Uh, and then you look at their roster as a whole, I think, you know, their average age per player is like 24 years old. So they're going to be one of the older teams in the country. Uh, obviously a lot more experienced this year than they had a year ago. But also, you know, you look at the other side of that, I think that the West Division as a whole will be improved. I think Southern Miss is going to be better. I know, it, you know, the media is not as high, as high on them just because of, you know, losing Edo Smith and Robertson, the big wide receiver. But I think they'll be pretty good. I think Tech's Probably, from my point of view, Tech should be the team that uh, should be the most improved. Just looking at Jamar coming back, the strength that the defense should have this year. So it'll be interesting to see if UAB can replicate an A-win season like they did a year ago. All right, Ben, uh, let's talk a little bit about the two players that are going over for Conference USA Media Days with Louisiana Tech. 
And you look at Teddy Veal, and I think a lot of people forget a little bit about the numbers that he put up last year. A pretty impressive 74 receptions, seven touchdowns, another year under the system, coming off an injury. What do you what are you anticipating out of Veal this year? Yeah, I think he's going to have another big year. I think it's obvious. You look at after the Mississippi State last game last year when he was playing that outside receiver role, uh, Skip and uh, to offense coordinator Todd Fish shifted him inside to the slot where he was much more comfortable. I think he gave uh, Jamar an obvious security blanket. They're obviously on the same page. Uh, you know, pretty much every game. And he had a really nice year. I think he ended up being a first-team all-conference performer. I think that can be expected again. You know, 80, 85 catches, uh, probably a 1,000-plus yards, you know, hopefully around 10 touchdowns. And I think he'll be back there again uh, returning punts, you know, you know, if he is completely healthy, which I think is to be expected. I know he's out of the boot. Uh, he's began running. So he, he should be ready to go come fall camp. But he's a – I would say he's probably the leader of the offense from a vocal perspective. Such a great kid as well. Uh, I know you were over there for the thing that uh, Tech did with med camps, and uh, it just seemed like he had a really good time with those kids as well. So Teddy's a great kid, and I expect big things out of him. Jalen Ferguson was also out there with the med camps, and he will make his way to Frisco representing Louisiana Tech. We look at Ferguson, and, of course, uh, his freshman year, man, he was incredible. The 14-and-a-half sacks. And I remember us talking to him last year, heading into the season. You know, he was talking about 16, 17 sacks last year, and obviously it did not work out that way. I think he finished up with seven and a half last year. Is this the big bounce back year or for Jalen Ferguson? Yeah, I think he'll bounce back in a nice way. You look at the last two years he's had, he's been an all conference guy. I know he's an all American as a sophomore, but he's going to bounce back. Last year he faced a lot of double teams. And Blake Baker spoke on this a little bit, that he has to do a better job from a defensive coordinator standpoint at getting him more one-on-one matchups from a pass-rushing perspective. And I think you'll see that, you know, especially with Tech's depth in the secondary, it's going to give them the ability uh, to play more man coverage to allow them to disguise more blitzes and get Ferguson into more favorable matchups coming off that edge. So I think he'll have a big year, uh, obviously be another first-team all-conference performer. And, you know, if he puts up, you know, 10, 12 sacks, like I think, you know, I think it could be expected. He could possibly be the defensive player of the year in the league. Uh, he has that kind of talent. I know I saw on Twitter the other day a couple of guys uh, have him as a first-round grade as a 2019 NFL draft pick, and obviously that's going to come with having a good performance in 2018, but I think it's pretty clear at this point he will be drafted in 2019. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, establishing his draft position. So I'm excited to see how he can bounce back after a year that, uh, you know, many would say was uh, less than stellar. Ben, here's a question that requires a little thought. Uh, When you're looking at this conference, is there a team that you see that is going to be like UAB was last year? Do you see a team that can be the surprise team in the conference? Are you circling anyone in the conference that could fit that narrative? I have two teams, if you ask me. I got one from the East and one from the West. And in the East Division, I, I really like Middle Tennessee State. I know they lost Richie James, one of their go-to wide receivers, to the NFL. But I look at, you know, what, you know, Rick Stockfield's been at Middle Tennessee, it feels like, forever. And then his son, Brent, uh, he's been hurt the last two years at quarterback. But when he is healthy, he is the best quarterback in conference. You know saying? I don't really think there's any – I mean, you could argue Mason Fine from North Texas is just as good, but you look at Fine, he's five foot eight. You know, if you get some pressure on him, he really struggles. I really like Middle Tennessee this year, and I, I think if Stock still stays healthy, they're going to have uh, one of the better offenses in the league, and I think they can really compete with Florida Atlantic uh, for that East Division championship if things go right. And then you look at the West Division, I, I like Southern Miss. Southern Miss was my pick. Uh, to win the West Division. I know they lost, you know, Edo Smith and Robertson to the NFL, but I look at Quadre Griggs returning uh, quarterback. I think he had 19 touchdowns to two interceptions uh, in the games that he did play before getting hurt. Uh, Tez Parks comes back at running back. He'll be a senior this year. He's a guy that's, you know, he saw a considerable amount of time behind uh, Edo Smith the past couple of years and then you look at what Jay Hobson does from a defensive standpoint it always feels like the Golden Eagles are pretty good so I, I think Southern Miss is going to be a hard out in the West Division and that's a team that you know Tech's really struggled with over the last three years as well. You look Ben of course uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about Jamar Smith and Louisiana Tech's uh, quarterback what about the running back situation who's going to get most of the workload? 
I think right now it's fair to say that Jaquie Stance is probably the leader. Uh, he's had a really solid offseason. Uh, his weight's back up. I think he's poised for a big year. And then behind him, uh, Cam McKnight, you know, we've talked about it before, shifted from wide receiver to running back uh, in the spring. He's dropped some weight. He's probably down 205, 210. Uh, a little more agile back. There. He'll be a bigger back, more between the tackles. And they brought in a junior college transfer from Coffeyville this summer, uh, Justin Henderson. I don't know if y'all had a chance to see anything on him, but uh, he's an impressive blend of size and speed, uh, kind of that guy that can run between the tackles, but if he gets down the open field, he's going to be tough to catch. I think those three will be your go-to guys, but I'll be excited to see what Henderson can do in fall camp because, uh, if he can really establish himself, uh, he might have the opportunity to overtake Dancy. All right, uh, Frisco, Texas today uh, for Conference USA Media Days. This is a pretty good thing that the league's got worked out with that kind of area and, of course, what they have over there offer. Oh, yeah, it's phenomenal. You look at, you know, just a few months ago they held the Conference USA basketball tournaments over there, and then now uh, they hold the media days. I think it's a great location. It's easy to get to. Uh, especially, the, you know, even for the East Coast team, it's pretty easy to fly into Dallas. So I think it works out well for all teams, you know, in the league, a 14-team conference. Uh, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to find a centralized location for everybody. But I think Dallas and Frisco is a pretty good place uh, for them to hold the media days and uh, certainly should bring some recognition to the league. All right, Ben, uh, you do a fantastic job covering Louisiana Tech Athletics. What's the best way for people to get all the info from you guys? Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Blue Tech Blue. You can join us bluetechblue.com for only nine ninety five a month. Fall camp starting up August second. Uh, we'll have daily practice reports. So join us bluetechblue.com. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Got a couple texts here. You can't win a title with DeRozan, so go for it for a year with Leonard and get rid of DeRozan's contract. I assume that's the Raptors' point of view. Uh, text from Gary says, I thought I was watching Bull Durham in the 10th inning last night with AL closer. The Bull got nailed. Mm. Also, I thought it was interesting that Ben picked Southern Miss as his as a sleeper team. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, they were picked fourth behind North Texas Tech and UAB in the West Division. Mm. Once again, Louisiana Tech going at 3.30 a day. That should uh, work out well for Sean and the guys. Uh, Fox is making his way over to Frisco, Texas. So, uh Sports Talk 97.7 will have you covered later today. Of course, on the TV side, we got you covered at KNH. Coming up next, we'll go through some headlines, including uh, Bregman's big night at the All-Star Game. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7, back after this. All right, Jake, we had to kind of cruise through the headlines, but uh, the All-Star Game last night certainly was entertaining. certainly was. The AL coming out on top in extras. A couple of things I want to talk about regarding the All-Star game. For me, I, I still enjoy the, the, the presentation and the way that they um, put the mics on the guys in the outfield. I think that's really cool, you know, interviewing them while the game's going on. Um, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I thought it was a, uh, pretty cool to see Judge and Trout Homer uh, early on. Those, those are two of your brightest stars. And on this stage in July when, you know, the All-Star game takes, you know, center stage, there's nothing else really going on, especially at night, you know, to see those two guys show up big in an All-Star setting, I thought it was cool. Um, I want to get your opinion on this, though. The the I would say the, the talk of MLB lately has been Manny Machado and whether or not he will be going to the Dodgers. Everyone kind of assumes that's going to be the case. What did you think of him taking a selfie during the game with Matt Kemp. You know how I feel about selfies. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're an all-star. It is a, just an exhibition game. And it doesn't matter anymore, right? It doesn't count. Well. Wasn't that the big slogan? Not, well, not just that, but like, because then they go to Kemp, because Kemp was wearing the, the mic in the outfield, and they, of course, are asking about that. And, and of course, he has to play it off. Oh, you know, and, and they're having fun with it. But if you if you don't want this to be a story, you know, wouldn't you shy away from taking a selfie with yeah. Matt Kemp? I mean, yeah. you're inviting that uh, coverage, so I don't so know. So it wasn't just that he did a selfie. No, it was who he did it with. Okay. And I, obviously, these those two are close and they're friends. But uh, I don't know. And, and, and a lot of guys say that they don't want all the attention and all those questions. But then they do something like that, and it's like clearly you do. 
And knowing you, you were all in because you wanted to see a Nola versus Bregman matchup. Yeah, and, and look, both guys did extremely well. Nola came in in the fifth inning, had a scoreless inning, had two Ks, gave up one hit. And then obviously what Bregman did, named the All-Star Game MVP, go ahead home run in the tenth inning that sends, of course, the American League to an 8-6 to six victory. Bregman's home run was one of a record-breaking 10 in the game. Yeah, yeah. So the the whole narrative strikeouts and home runs, I mean, that continues with MLB. But speaking of Bregman, I mean, those heroics, he's had quite a week. He's had quite a season. I mean, was it just last month that he was named, you know, I think it was AL Player of the Month. Just He's been on a tear lately. He's becoming that, that bright star that we all knew he could be in the MLB. And, uh, you know, they caught up with him after the game and asked him about that. You're a world champion, and now in your first All-Star game, you're the first Astro to win the All-Star game MVP. How good is life for you these days? It's been unbelievable. It's been a great two years. Um, so happy to be in this organization. Great coaches, great teammates. And then today, be able to be on the same field as these great players was really special. All right, your dad went to high school 20 miles from here at Walter Johnson High School. He's here tonight, and you won the MVP in this park. How, what is going through your head right now? It's it's a dream come true. Um, when I was around in third, I pointed to him up there. He grew up on Ted Williams' lap. Um, my grandpa was the attorney for the Washington Senators back in the day, so we have a lot of ties to, to D.C., and um, it's just an unbelievable moment. This is another time where you rise to the occasion. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think uh, I failed in those situations more than I've come through, and I think that's the reason why I come through a few times. So I think just hard work, and uh, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a dream come true these last two years. Good stuff there from Alex Bregman. Yeah, literally just had a Woj bomb on my phone. Um, you know, we talked about it already, the, the Kawhi – DeMar trade, but uh, it seems like it's pretty set in stone. The Toronto Raptors have agreed to a deal to acquire Kawhi Leonard in a larger package that will include DeMar DeRozan. Now, um, there are more players on both sides included in the swap, but only DeRozan has been informed so far. Mm. Uh, a trade call with the league office to finalize the trade is set for today, and apparently this has been talked about for two weeks. And uh, several incarnations of the packages have been discussed, but I think they finally settled on that trade package. A couple things from this. Uh, DeRozan told ESPN that he met with Toronto Brass in L.A. or Las Vegas during the summer league and was then told that he would not be traded. Perhaps that's why he's a little bitter now. He has three years left on his deal at $83 million. The good news is going to Texas, I believe he will save about $2 million the no state income tax well that's good can i just get you to read his instagram post one more time, one more time? okay he said uh, show, can i have some gusto when you do it though asking me to do something rosen this is i mean this is personal to him he's mad he's ticked off i feel like these are rap lyrics though <laughs> and i don't recognize them because i don't listen to current rap as much you're probably correct okay i haven't heard him either <laughs> you don't say <laughs> Be told one thing and outcome another. Can't trust them. Ain't no loyalty in this game. Sell you out. Um, uh, there's I no uh in there. I can't read my handwriting. Uh, quit for a little bit of nothing. Soon you'll understand. Don't, don't disturb. Don't disturb. Sorry, my handwriting's awful. But uh, yeah, I mean, and if those are lyrics, they're not very good. Or well, when he's when Jake's rapping them out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I don't have much rhythm. Um, yeah, so, by the way, I think I've told this story before, but De DeMar DeRozan's father was the first black athlete at Vidalia. This is the first time I've heard of it. I could have sworn I told this before, but because my friends and I always joke that, you know, Vidalia's own DeMar DeRozan. So we can claim him. Y yeah, we do. Wow. We, we're big DeRozan fans. But yeah, first black athlete at Vidalia. How awesome is that? Awesome. Anyway, um, so he comes back all the time. Could he? Could he, he do like a basketball he, camp or I, something? Well, he could. He doesn't. He'll I, be close. He wasn't raised there because they went. He was raised in California, but uh, his his grandmother still lives in Concordia Parish. Uh, can we get an interview with her? You, you can you can hunt her down, man. No, I said you. 
Oh, me? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I, di- I did want to mention one thing before that Woj bomb in terms of baseball and Mike Trout. So did you see this story yesterday from the Washington Post where Trout, they talked about Trout's popularity, and he scored a 22 in Q scores awareness category. Now what that means is a little more than one out of every five Americans recognize who he is. The Washington Post compared that to other sports and, that and I think that's that number is actually pretty high. Do you think so? At one in five, yeah. One in five? Yeah, I would you, say you more would one say, ten. You would say it's less than that. Yeah, less than that. Well, that's equivalent to Kenneth Fareed, who is a reserve forward in the NBA, who plays 14 minutes per game. That's a little bit of a stretch. So, I don't know, man. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting story. And then, so, people have asked, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred about this, and he said player marketing requires one thing for sure, the player. You cannot market a player passively. You can't market anything passively. You need people to engage with those to whom you're trying to market in order to have effective marketing. We are very interested in having our players more engaged and having higher-profile players and helping our players develop their individual brand, but that involves the player being actively engaged. This is all – So he puts it back – he puts it back on Trout. He's yeah. saying Trout, when the season's over, Trout likes to chase storms. He likes to or go. Trout. He likes to go. Uh, you know, watch the Eagles and yeah, fish. And so, I mean, that's he's he makes a point there. I mean, you do need the player to go out and do a lot of media and get his face out there. But still. I think that also goes back to the fact that the game is so more regionalized now, and it's not national in terms of their big stars how they're getting them on the national stage. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that to to he's got a point there. I mean, you do have to do the media, you do have to get your face out there. But to another point, you shouldn't have to do it that much, right? I mean, people should be tuning in to your games nationally, and they should know who the best players in baseball are, right? I mean, if you if you if you haven't watched in three to four years, you would be going, wait, who's better, Harper or, or Trout? Mm-hmm. When today, it's it's pretty common knowledge that Trout is the best player in baseball. Russell also says you get on the uh, Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line, the commissioner said it was Trout's fault. Yeah. So basically a coach blaming it on the players. Well, commissioner. Well, but in ref- it's the same principle. You know, a bad game, bad outing, coach gets up to the podium, says, hey, players yeah. would have done better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commissioner doing the same thing. There was another headline that I thought was interesting. Uh, Brandon Cooks, of course, has found a new home with the Rams. He has signed a five-year contract extension for $88 million. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, I got a couple more headlines, too. A couple LSU ones. Jamal Pettigrew, tight end, out for a year. Uh, He sustained a knee injury this summer, and it just came out. Uh, It's not a huge loss because they're deep at tight end. But I was anxious to see what he could do in this new offense because he's a big body. He can go up and catch it. Uh, also, even bigger news, Christian Fulton could hear back on his 24-month suspension. Uh, he, he appealed that. It was similar to um, Edelman's appeal about how, how they didn't uh, take the sample properly. Uh, anyway. I'm surprised there hasn't been more backlash on this story. If you haven't heard, of course, in it's LSU, been a quiet story. LSU, what was he, a freshman at the time? Uh, incoming freshman incoming basically freshman. fails a, a drug test, uh, and, and then it comes back. He attempted to cheat in some manner, allegedly, and the NCAA brings the hammer down when he gets him and suspends him for not one, but two years. Two years, yeah. So he – this is eight, he's 18 months into his 24 month suspension, and this has been a big deal for LSU fans. This case because LSU needs another corner, mm-hmm. and this at one point was one of the best corners in high school football, and was one of the biggest signings in high and in, in college football. So they, if if uh, the, his attorney, the the headline is the attorney is saying that they should hear back in two to three weeks, possibly sooner. If they get good news, if if he can play this season. That's a game changer for LSU. We've talked so much about how they're thin at cornerback. If they get him back, you got greedy Christian Fulton and Terrence Alexander now. Mm. That's a game changer. Even though he's been sitting for and he's been practicing. <laughs> he's this kid. This kid can play, man. 
888-993-7762. Did I, did I step on you there? Did you have any other headlines LSU-related? No, no, that's okay. it. Uh, hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Let's talk a little uh, SEC Media Days coming up next. You want to hear from Chad Morris? I, I, I'm sure the people want it. Arkansas fans, enjoy this, but don't enjoy Aaron kissing his butt. <laughs> Did somebody ask him the question, are you a better coach than Ed Orgeron? How many times does he say uh, high school? A lot. I bet he says it quite a bit. We'll count them. Okay. Coming up after the break, you'll hear from Chad Morris. All right, Russell. I knew this segment would be for him, and right away he weighs in. This should be a nice little bet. This, he says, I bet Morris is at Arkansas longer than Orgeron is at LSU. Right now, that's a safe bet. Yeah. Orgeron's entering on the hot seat. He's got a difficult schedule. Orgeron's up against it. Arkansas with Morris, he's got some time. They're patient with him. They're excited about this hire. They'll give him three to four years. Mm. So, yeah, that's an easy But bet. Orgeron has a, a year under his belt. Okay. Yeah. That and you, helps you make the argument, too, that Orgeron has shown that he can win at LSU. He has, but the schedule's not going to do him any favors. We've also got some other texts I want to get to real quick. Uh, Trent says, I'm trying to YouTube that rap song you recited, Jake. Is that Lil Windex? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, straight out across it? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Aaron needs to get on that. Uh, Richie says, the kid could play in reference to Richie, I mean, in reference to Christian Fulton. I'm not so sure he hasn't lost a step after not seeing on-field competition for the last 18 months. Mm. Hey, could be, could be the case, but we don't know. Uh, Russell has another uh, point about Booger McFarland uh, talking out, breaking down Arkansas, saying Booger says the running gun style of Morris will not work, will not work in the SEC. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm not going to just sit here and say that it's not going to work without seeing a, a few games, but uh I think I'm more concerned about that defense. You know, if you're talking about Arkansas, again, I go back to the stat that they gave up seven yards per play <laughs> in the SEC last season. Seven yards per play. That is inexcusable. you got to get better on that side of the ball. Uh, and then if we want to talk about offense, I really am curious to see what Morris does with Cole Kelly. I, you know, we haven't seen too many quarterbacks of that stature. Uh, so I want to see what he does with them. So you give up, what, uh, 438 yards per game in conference play last year. But the good news is that six of those starters are coming back. Or is that good news? Uh, <laughs> that's what I always juggle with, right? Like, it's like, they talk about Florida. They've got 19 returning starters. But, yeah. I'm like, they went 4-7 and seven last yeah. year. And I, and I realize they have a lot of great athletes. And I think that is a positive for Florida. But in most cases, you have to juggle in your mind how good is that if they weren't any good the, the year before. Who's their defensive coordinator? Who are you talking about? Arkansas. Your guy. I know, Chavis. Your guy. Right? What about that? Which Chavis is it, though? That's. Uh, are we getting into another Chavis conversation, yeah. too? Let's just let's just hash. Let's just go through all these is old Is he running debates. at this point in his career? He should be, right? <laughs> I mean, Chavis has been there, done that. He was great at Tennessee. Yeah. He was great at LSU. He was not great at A&M. It was horrible, eh? <laughs> Not so, great. <laughs> Positive far, spin. Far from great. Uh, so let's see. We'll see what it looks like. All right. Uh, I want to hear a little bit from uh, Chad Morris on the Arkansas program, the team, and, of course, what it's like taking over this program and his expectations for this year. All right. Nice That's my water or the previous coach's water was up here. So I'm probably going to get this thing started. So. Man, just, uh, wow. Just want to thank everybody. I want to thank the College Football Hall of Fame uh, for putting on this, this spectacular event. You know, it was it was quick to notice as soon as you pulled up. Football season's on us. And uh, now I want to thank you all for coming out and having an interest in the Arkansas Razorbacks. I bumped into several of you in the hallway that I've seen from front of my prior stops. And uh, I look forward to catching up and shaking your hand. I'm just excited to be here, to be a part of the SEC Media Days. Uh, it means so much to me and my family to be put in a, a position and put on a, a, uh, a platform to be able to impact lives in the matter in which we do. And, uh, and when you get to these media days at this point, I remember the previous 
stops. That uh, once the SEC media day started coming on TV, you knew football season was right on. It was the kickoff of the season, and uh, now I'm excited to watch our guys compete. I know we'll talk about that throughout the course of the day. All right, obviously some uh, horrible audio there. I think Arkansas and Morris, that was planned like that. Were you like 20 rows back filming on your iPhone or something? It was, I had nothing to do with that. That was at the SEC media days. I, I get it. That was a joke. Yeah. It didn't land. High quality audio there, but it should be a high quality program under Chad Morris, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about Arkansas. We still got to give them a little love. Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, I just want to go back to everybody says, why do you like Chad Morris? Well, because I, I knew the guy. Literally, he was in Legion Fields. I was working in the, the Shreveport market. I was in charge of uh, East Texas football, so I, that was kind of my beat. And at the time, Legion Fields was an up-and-comer and had a lot to do with uh, Chad Morris. Now, at the time, uh, did I think Chad Morris was going to be an SEC coach? Heck no. Who would think that? But just think about that rise for a coach going from the 2A ranks and making his way through, and of course he quickly left after Legion Fields, I believe, after two or three years, and then he had met several stops along the way in the high school ranks and literally made a name for himself, made, quite frankly, in a relatively short period of time, a legend of himself in high school football, which says a lot. And then, of course, he gets into the college ranks and has quickly moved through, and everybody points out his track record and what he did or did not do at SMU. Obviously, he did lead him to a bowl game. Well, you're skipping over Clemson. Yeah, that that is the major milestone in his college coaching career. Uh, basically, assistant coach of the year while he's at Clemson. Yeah, I, you know, I think, and I I don't want to seem like I'm a Debbie Downer when it comes to Chad Morris. I like to make fun of it just because you hate on Ed Orgeron and have this love for Chad Morris, so I like to pile them. I don't think it's hate. I think I just try to tell a little bit of the truth that centers around Ed Orgeron. I mean, but you don't ever recognize what he's done successfully. You just look at it like, oh, well, he's he failed at Ole Miss. He's lost some games he shouldn't have at LSU. Saban lost games he shouldn't have at LSU. You remember UAB? Yeah. That was his first year. So I'm just saying, and I know that's a different story because the program was in a much different state back then than what it is now. I get that. I'm just bringing up the fact that, yes, coaches lose games they shouldn't. Um, back to Morris, though. I I am excited to see what he does at Arkansas. I, I just think it takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at this roster, and I and I just I don't see a whole lot of – you know, he's got to – I hate to use this phrase to get his players in there, but he really does. Yeah, a change of system he really, like this. He yeah. really does have to get his players in there, and that's going to take two to three years. And that's why when people are like, well, who's going to stay longer, Morris or Orgeron? Yeah, Morris is the better bet because – the Arkansas fans and, and, and the people who are in charge of making these decisions, they recognize that. They recognize it's going to take time for Morris to get these players in there. And when he does, I do expect Arkansas to be uh, a very good offensive team. We'll see how the defense comes along under Chavis. But I, I suspect that he and Joe Moorhead will have success in this conference. Would not shock me at all if, if both of them uh, you know, raise the level of Mississippi State and Arkansas. And you look at Arkansas' schedule, of course – Obviously, an opportunity early on to get off to a good start. We know how important that is for a first-year head coach. Eastern Illinois at Colorado State and then North Texas. The other thing that sets up well for the Razorbacks this year is the fact that they only have three SEC games on the road, and two of those being the final two games of the regular season when they go to Mississippi State and at Missouri. But besides that, the fact that you get Alabama, Ole Miss, which will be played in Little Rock, and LSU at home, Texas A&M, uh, neutral site game, Texas A&M. That bodes well on paper. It, it does, Aaron, but I still have them last in the West. I, I still just think that if you're forcing me to, to, to number the teams and, and the division, I have to go Arkansas last because of the defensive issues I brought up and because, you know, offensively, I have my concerns there, too. You're changing the system. I don't know if those players actually fit that system. We're talking about a complete complete overall here. So I, I look at – and actually, when you were naming those games, the North Texas game is kind of scary if you're an Arkansas fan. Mm. That's one of those games where, on paper, they should win. But we all know North Texas can score a lot of points. And if Arkansas hasn't fixed its defensive lows by then, you're getting in a shootout with the North Texas team. 
who knows what can happen, right? So that it's it's going to be a scary first season, but I don't think you can judge Morris on this season alone. It's going to take time. Uh, Arkansas nine and zero all time in this series versus North Texas. Last two meetings, uh, they pretty much have put a whooping on the Mean Green. Yeah. Davion Warren will be keeping an eye on him. Of course, Absolutely. the former uh, Washita product. Uh, he certainly had his moments last year for the Razorbacks. He did, and also he's getting some preseason love. I, I see from some different publications they're they're ranking him as an All SEC returner, which is really exciting. Um, I can't wait to see him in a much larger role this year. Uh, you know, we talked about Arkansas last year. They had a lot of bright spots offensively that were young guys. They just weren't getting the football to him, and Davion Warren was one of those guys. So I expect Chad Morris will look at talents like Warren and go, yeah, I need to get him the football. We've talked extensively about how Morris is going to make a lot of inroads into Texas with all his ties for recruiting. But quite frankly, throughout the years, uh, Arkansas has not done that well in North Texas. I mean, in North uh, Louisiana, or especially in Northeast Louisiana. There hasn't been a lot of players that, of course, have made their way there, and you think that would have been uh, an option. Well, Arkansas over the years did a great job of getting three-star guys and developing them. That's what they did. Um, so this is going to be a different type of recruiting that we see from Morris. I think he's going to get a lot more high-profile guys, guys that you read about more regularly. When I would, I, I used to look at Arkansas's recruiting classes and go, you know, nothing's really popping out here. But I understand what they do. They get these three-star guys and they develop them. Danny on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance hotline slash text line says, with LSU schedule, if they win eight, it would be a really good season. But if they go 10-2, and two, they will make the playoffs. <laughs> Look, do we already want to start that conversation? I think it makes sense. Um, you know, I was actually tasked to, to do a half-glass full, half-glass empty topic about all things, and, and schedule was, was part of it. And I, and I brought that up. I said, listen – the schedule is absolutely – you can be absolutely pessimistic about it because it puts you up against it. But it is such a schedule that if other crazy things happen around these other nationally ranked teams, a 10-2 and two season, you could make the playoffs because who else has a schedule like that? Arkansas Homer Russell says it's going to take three years, but it, Morris is already getting high-profile offensive players. And if he can beef up the defense, they will be competitive. I don't think it means beating Alabama, but everyone has that problem. That's exactly right. Everyone's chasing down. 888-993-7762, the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. You want some four downs? Play a little four downs. Also, we got more uh, Rashad Lawrence and Orgeron sound coming up for you in the 8 o'clock hour. The Morning Drive is back after this. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.